You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 48 with Jessica Flanagan. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, I'm so excited to be bringing you this episode today with Jessica Flanagan. I've been a fan of hers for years now. Um, basically, when I started to do the autoimmune paleo protocol diet, it is something that I did um, maybe three years ago after I read her book, The Loving Diet. I had thought about doing AIP to heal my gut. I had been experiencing a lot of gut issues. I really couldn't eat a lot of foods. Like nuts really bothered me, any sorts of grains corn, dairy, I mean, pretty much everything bothered me, but even within paleo, because many of you know that I was very strict paleo for a long time, even sweet potatoes and starches, and my gut was just completely messed up. So I dedicated 10 weeks to doing a low FODMAP autoimmune paleo protocol, which is extremely intense. Uh, It's very restrictive, but it's deliberate in the sense that it takes away lots of inflammatory foods, foods that could potentially be inflammatory to your gut lining and really allows you to heal. So on top of paleo, which is just proteins, seafood, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, coconut, avocado, healthy fats, things like that, really low sugar. You're also taking out eggs, which I don't really eat anyway, all nuts and seeds, any nightshades and nightshade vegetables. So those are tomatoes, white potatoes, eggplant, peppers, and any spices that use those things in them. Um, And it was tough. Oh, and coffee too, which you guys know that I'm a big coffee drinker and it doesn't affect me poorly at all, Um, even when I added it back after this period. But I ended up just plowing through those 10 weeks and really being dedicated. And I felt really ready to do that because I had a really strong mindset at the time. And I knew that it was for the good for me, for my betterment, for the fact that I could feel better. And Derek and I didn't even go out to eat during that period. Um, He was so supportive during that time. And looking back, it was tough, but it was worth it because my gut really healed from it. I was able to add in a ton of foods back. I really do still stick to a pretty whole food, real food diet and way of eating just because it makes me feel awesome. But my intention is one of doing it because I 
feel amazing. Not because it's punishing, not because it's restrictive. I don't think it's restrictive just because it's natural for me at this point. Um, but my mindset was in the right place when I did it. And if you're ever doing a healing protocol, it's so important to have the mindset in place first. And that's what we really talk about in this episode. Jessica does still implement the autoimmune paleo protocol sometimes with her clients because she is a clinical nutritionist. But as you'll hear, there's an entire other component of things that we need to focus on and become aware of as we are going through our journeys. And people don't really talk about this. And that's why I think her work is so important because in her book, The Loving Diet, she talks about how we need to, she talks about her story. She talks about what happened to her, how she went through uh, a period where her life sort of fell apart and really became extremely resilient from it. She talks about beliefs, talks about trusting your life. And next week's episode is actually going to be all about mindset because that's kind of an elusive term, right? Like what does that really mean when we're talking about mindset and the way that we think in our perception. So I'm going to really be diving deep into that in next week's episode. But this work is so beautiful. The fact that we can call upon a source inside of us, uh, a loving source that is with us at any time, that is infinite, that is beautiful, and that we have everything that we need. For so many of us, especially I know a lot of you listening are spiritually minded, but you're also people that perhaps are practitioners or those that have been on restrictive diets, this isn't really talked about. And it's so important to be able to do so and to implement these principles with ourselves and our clients. And that's why I was so excited to have Jessica on the show. She was such a pleasure to talk to. Uh, Jessica is a certified noetic practitioner and has been a clinical nutritionist for over 20 years. She currently trains practitioners in her recently launched spiritual coaching certification course and has a thriving mind-body practice that includes microbiome restoration, functional medicine nutrition, and the principles of loving-kindness. The author of The Loving Diet, she sets forth practical steps for those dealing with chronic disease to reframe their circumstances from lack to abundance. Again, this work is so important. And as we spread this message, as I spread this message, as Jessica spreads this message, one of light and love and you know, of optimism of, you know, we're not saying that bad things are never going to happen. It's like, how do we respond to these things that happen? How do we reframe them to look at the pain in our lives and really go right towards them with love instead of avoiding them? So that's why I really want you to listen to this episode carefully, to be open to it. We do talk about God and the universe. So when we say that, it's really just about like, the all-encompassing source that's in life. But um, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Be sure to reach out to Jessica about her spiritual certification program. Um, I'll put all of it in the show notes and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me, Ashley. It's my pleasure. And like I was just telling you now, you have been Your work has been so beautiful to me because I am somebody who really was reluctant to it at the beginning. Um, Not your work specifically, but the fact of looking deeper into things, the fact of like not looking on the surface for healing and things like that. I'm a very like action oriented person. 
But then really diving deeper into the spirituality and into love and compassion and all of that, it's totally changed my life in the past three or four years. And I try to explain that as well to my clients. And I know that that's what you are all about. And I've learned so much from you. So I would love if we could start off by, it's kind of a big question, what I ask everybody at the beginning, uh, for those that aren't familiar, kind of what you do now and how you got to where you are. So um, I, how I got to where I am now is I was in college studying environmental biology, <clears throat> and I'd always been really interested in health and nutrition, and I was always the person that my friends came to when they had a yeast infection. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, really uh, dive deeper into this? And I realized that my degree in environmental biology was full of people who were wanting to heal the world. And my aha moment came when I knew that it's hard to heal the world when we haven't healed ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that really prompted me to get into nutrition. Um, so, you know, uh, have been practicing clinical nutrition now for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, of course, that's changed and evolved drastically as functional medicine has come up. And uh, now it's widely available. And, you know, back when I was practicing nutrition, nutritionists were really rare and dietitians were really the standard. And now it's almost swinging in the opposite direction. Yes. And so what I do now is I... I believe that my role in the world is to love people. And so I have the practice of clinical nutrition that I point out practical things. Um, but really what my work is, is to um, help people remember that they have all the tools inside of them at this very, very moment to heal everything that they think is broken. Mm, I love that. And was this something, you know, this direction that you're going in now, was this something that you had in mind at the beginning when you first started? Or is it something that you saw your clients go through, perhaps going on like the autoimmune paleo protocol and not have that be fully healing or something? Um, was it something that developed or was it something that you had always kind of thought about in the back of your mind? No, I, I really got pushed into it through my own disasters in my life. Um, so I, you know, I'll say the word disaster, but really it was the blessing. So the bigger the burden, the bigger the blessing. Um, no, I, I lived a charmed life. I had everything. I meditated. I had energy workers. You know, I had, I was kindergarten parent, class parent, uh, you know, anybody looking in would say, wow, she she's a perfect performer. And then that perfect performer strategy has just transferred over into my AIP clients. Mm. So what happened was first my life fell apart and all of the things that I thought were the skills to deal with life being hard stopped working. <laughs> and I was forced to actually start loving all the places inside of me that hurt because nothing else worked. So there was a profound gift is that I'm really stubborn. So life had to get so challenging that I had to actually come to the very end of the line. Nothing else worked. So, and I'm suffering so badly. I'm going to see if loving myself, doing a hard thing will work. And that ended up being what worked. And when I was vulnerable enough to do that and 
gather a team around me to help me sort through that, my life transformed. And mm-hmm. suddenly, when I always thought that everything was against me, everything was for me when I had the vulnerability to love the places that hurt. How it translated into my autoimmune practice was that my twin sister was diagnosed with celiac and Hashimoto's, and she found the diet. And so we, I went on it because I have the genetics for it. She went on it because it actually helped her feel better. But what happened in my practice within the first year was I had people that were 100% perfect on paper. Mm. So I call them perfect performers. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know, I know what yeah. that is. <laughs> Um, of people who couldn't di- do the AIP diet any harder. Yeah. You know, so that that was what where the transference of my own experience started evolving to help other people of like, oh, wow, maybe it's not about the diet. Maybe it's not about the food. Maybe it's not about our circumstances. Maybe it's about the loving. Exactly. And I love your story and I love, um, you know, kind of how you tell it in your book, uh, what happened and everything. Were you resistant to that love at the beginning? Were you resistant to go there? And do you see that some of your clients have resistance towards, like you say, going towards the thing, or you say the relationship that you have with the thing versus, you know, an autoimmune disease or, you know, a circumstance in your life or something like that? Yeah. Loving the parts that hurt is the hardest work we do as humans. And it has the biggest payoff. Yes. Because the payoff is transformation. So I didn't do it until I had nothing left. Mm. So yeah, it was scary. I trembled, (laughs) cried, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and allow myself to feel lost, you know, because that's really, you know, this is, this is territory that's not often explored in the world because mm-hmm. we are told to go outside of ourselves to find the healing in every way possible. In every, almost every marketing message, we're told that the answers lie outside of ourselves. So we are developing a new skill set when we consider this route of like, oh wow, I can actually trust my life. I can trust that all of these bad things that happened to me might hold some keys to profound wisdom and understanding where I hold misunderstandings about my life. And so I did not go willingly. Yeah. (laughs) not. It was not, you know, I mean. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's totally uncomfortable. And I think that, like you said, for me, my biggest um, thing in my life has been I went through an eating disorder back in my teens and kind of it came back a little bit in my early 20s. And it was something that I kept secret from everybody. And I was like, I can't touch this. I can't talk about it. I can't uh, tell anybody because that means I'm not perfect anymore if I do. That means I have to actually admit it and deal with it. Wow. And and to to do that and to step into it and to get into the work of that you're talking about and go towards it and see the reasons why was just completely transformational, but also the last thing that I wanted to do. Like the absolute last, it was like, like you're saying, like there was nothing else left. I tried everything I tried, you know, in a sense too, I think there's this overarching message in the world that we need something else. It's a a diet or a car or more money or even a home, 
a perfect house or a perfect life to like fix us or everything will be okay once we arrive to that place. Um, and I think sometimes we get those things and we realize like, this isn't the thing, this didn't make me happy. What else can it be? And it's really when you're really left with nothing and nothing left to, to really do, uh, when you're finally like, okay, I'll step into this. And even when that process does happen, I see this with me and even my clients, a lot of people think that it'll be like a light switch change, you know, like all of a sudden I'll just start loving And, um, when it's really, to me, it's been a process, like a daily choice that I make versus just like one day waking up and being like, today I choose to, you know, to choose love. It's not easy all the time. So I would love if you could, if you could talk about that, the fact that like, this is something that does take practice and effort, um, and maybe even your own practices of things that you do to kind of stay on the path. Yeah, one thing I would say, too, is both um, a human and then to all the practitioners that might be listening to this is that really honoring, honoring our the timing is a, a profound service that we can all do. And so you might be remembering, too, back to when, you know, you trusting the timing of your life and honoring how people want to do it and honoring the timing that is right for them because no one's going to grow until they're ready. Yes, totally. So so that's the one thing um, that I I find is really helpful. And then the other thing is that to a lot of people listening to this um, is that sometimes we can just take a certain kind of perspective. You know, we, we get up and we can kind of just frame our day, you know, to work out in our favor um, you know, and then let go of what it might look like. Cause I do a lot of prayer, uh, you know, prayer for the highest good because I'm not sure what the highest good is. See, I thought I assumed what my highest good was and then my life fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was being punished, but really it was life. That's how life was working in my favor was that I had to undo a lot of things that weren't serving me in order for the things that did to come forward. But a lot of people who are listening to this, might also, you know, know about those mixed messages that they get about eating. Um, And so one of the things that I really focus on through honoring my clients is that the part of us that feels like it needs to eat a certain way is really searching for the safety. And I really honor that. And all of my clients are like, what if just for a moment, instead of trying to fix the part that holds our disordered eating piece, that we actually just honored it for how well it is attempting to keep us safe all the time. Mm. It never gives up on us. Exactly. And that's why we act out in certain ways because we're trying to protect ourselves and and to keep our, ourselves safe. Um in all of those in all of those different ways. And now it's so easy to like we were saying look outside for a quick fix or something that um you know, will be easier in a sense. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, I have found that it is usually more scary for us humans to consider that the work is loving the parts inside of us that are calling out for our loving. It's way more difficult of a path than going outside of ourselves to fix. 
Exactly. And, and like you were saying before, I think that something that I misunderstood and many people that I've talked to have the same sort of misunderstanding is that once you begin to believe in either God or source or the universe, that you will ask for certain things and be dedicated in your prayer and then things will go your way. That's like what I thought back then. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, if I pray, if I like do my yoga practice, this was, you know, many years ago. I'm like, if I do my yoga practice, if I do everything perfect, then everything is going to go my way. And that's what it means to believe in something higher, to believe in something greater. But now I know that um, it's really what you're saying. It's about trusting your life and knowing that whatever happens, I am equipped to handle and whatever is going to unfold is the way that it should unfold. Yeah, I like how you say that. You're equipped to handle it all. Because yes. I think that that's part of the the uncovering and transform, transformational process. Yes. It's like, oh, wow, I, I actually have all the tools right here. Exactly. I don't, I don't need to go outside of myself to buy the tools. Exactly. But it means sometimes, too, for many people also it's uncomfortable to sit with themselves and to sit with their thoughts and to sit alone without, um, you know, distraction, which is so easy nowadays with our phones and our TVs and everything. What would you tell people that are struggling to sit with themselves and hear the same sort of belief systems that they've been hearing their whole lives, their beliefs about themselves and their worth and perhaps about food. Um, I know in your book, you touched a little bit about like binge eating people that have like um, certain sorts of eating patterns and things like that. What would you tell them? Well, you know, when we think about what does it mean to love the places that hurt, uh, you know, so often now all you have to do is take a quick glance at Instagram and you see that this whole self-love thing is everywhere. Yes. Um, And I feel like, uh, I'm, I'm happy that the word is getting out and it can't be a form of bypass. Such a good right? point. Yeah, totally. So loving ourselves is uh, not passive. It's very, very active. Mm. And so there's this idea of like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of suffering or pain or sorry for myself or I'm angry or upset. And, oh, I'm just going to go pick up my self-help book off the shelf so that I can uh, you know, distract myself. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is, is consider the ways that you distract yourself and maybe even make a list about those things because it's really difficult to sit down in a meditation cushion and clear your mind for an hour because we go into so much self judgment. And so a lot of times when we look at, Oh, how are the ways that I distract myself? make it a process of just admiring those things instead of judging those things. And so that's a really good first step is, oh, let me just look at the ways I distract myself and admire mm-hmm. admire this part of myself that wants to keep things going, um, you know, as they are right now and, and not have any kind of change because change is scary and hard. And so uh, that would be the first thing I would do is, See if every day you could write an, uh, an admire list for yourself. Ten things every day of what you admire about how you handle things without going into judgment and uh, ways that you distract yourself. And so because awareness is the first part of 
how we get out of uh, uh, some kind of blockage that we're in. Yes. And, and I think too, that non-judgment, you know, because I, something else that I thought too, as I sort of began my spiritual journey was that if I did enough of these practices and also spiritual bypassing myself for a long time with my whole stash of self-help books and just, you know, I'm like, I'll be okay when I read that book or, and then that book and then that book, you know, and sort of avoiding myself in a sense, which I think is so common. Um, but I think that if we can um, really look at ourselves in a way where we are not judging what's happening, you know, because what I would do is, and I see this with other people too, is that I have certain thoughts or a negative belief or something or just a negative thought about myself and I immediately judge it. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have that thought. And, we, and then we judge the judging. So it's like this double layer of judgment. And I think that it's common to say too that it's a human thing to have that negative loop sometimes, to perhaps go into, um, you know, perhaps a sense of unworthiness or I'm not good enough and just observe it versus making a big story about it. I'm not sure yeah. if you can relate to that. Yeah, you're bringing up this fantastic dance called the soul versus the ego. Mm-hmm. And so from the ego, everything is broken. From the soul, there's nothing to fix. So uh, we start assigning different things in our life. So instead of the ego always reminding us that we're broken, um, and I don't recommend trying to destroy the ego at mm-hmm. all because the ego is really important to us um, as humans, is we can appreciate it. So see, when we try to fix or diminish the ego, uh, it's going to fight for its place in our life. But when we really honor it and appreciate it for how hard it's working on our behalf, then we make room for more. Mm, Exactly. Exactly. And I like self-forgiveness, too, for the judgment. So the ego is the judgment place because everything is broken. So we we don't make a judgment unless we think that we're doing something wrong. And so then the way to, uh, the way that I handle that is, is I just go right into self-forgiveness. I forgive myself for judging myself that I don't know how to sit on a meditation cushion for an hour. Mm -hmm. And the, the, um, the ability of self-forgiveness to usher in transformation is a powerful one. Um, so sometimes I will do self-forgiveness or Ho'oponopono is if everybody wants to look that up. I'm so sorry we had to do it this way. Please forgive me. I love you. That's Ho'oponopono, which is um, resolution through living love. And sometimes I will say do Ho'oponopono 100 times a day. And so when you start feeling that self-judgment come in, you're like, oh, see, look, there's a part of myself that's trying to protect it. That's great. I'm. Thank you. Thank you for being the first one to the crime scene, you know, yes, thank your ego. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you bring in the loving, um, and you know, you can do Ho'oponopono right after you have a forgiveness uh, right as you for, are forgiving the judgment that you're holding for yourself. Yes. And I think that that's such an important point to bring up because I feel like there's this climate in a sense, like if you do enough work that, or if you meditate enough that your negative thoughts are going to go away and your head will be cleared. Um, and you know, and I'm like, that's never going to happen. Now I know that, but I feel like a lot of people put judgment on themselves as well for, 
saying that they don't want to meditate because they're not good at it or things like that. And my, you know, my answer to them is always, you know, to exactly what you're saying, to know that that part of you might always be there. The ego, the one that tries to protect, and it's really important. Um, But there's a stronger voice that we can develop, one that we can listen to and one that we can trust. And to me, I feel the difference in my body as well. When I have an egoic thought, it doesn't kind of feel awesome in my body. It feels contracting and um, sort of like a stuck feeling in my body. And when I have, you know, my soul that speaks, it's expansive, it's loving, it feels good. So that's something that I tell people as well to kind of identify within the body, which one is actually the real intuition, because a lot of people will say, but I'm listening to, um, I'm listening to the voice in my head and it's not saying awesome things to me. Yeah. Cause we have divided our thoughts into good or bad. Yes. Um, and so we're, while we have divided our thoughts up into good or bad, there's always going to be a duality of either I'm passing my life or I'm failing my life. The real mind meld here is, is that when we can see our, all of our thoughts as holy, then nothing is negative or positive. It's just a thought. Yes. And then we really get free. Mm. Yes. That's similar to, to Byron Katie's work too. the fact that, you know, when things are happening, it's not really the thing that's, you know, uh, agitating us or whatever. It's really what we're thinking about the thing and, and the relationship and the relationship to it. Um, after you went through, uh, you know, what you went through, um, you know, several years ago, what were the steps that you started to take to, uh, go through this transformation that you've been on? Well, it was unique to me because I'm coming in with my own karma in my life. Um, but one of the things that I did was I, um, meditated every day. Um, I gathered a team of people who helped me reframe all of these things that I thought was my life is against me to my life is actually for me. Uh, I started doing the self-forgiveness, forgiving myself for the thoughts or the relationships that I had. I started really clearing up my misunderstandings, which was God is punishing me. Mm. Um, I have to be a good person to be worthy of love. Uh, God forgot about me. And so I started clearing up all of those pieces um, every day, every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that became my real big work. And then specifically just into my own life and, you know, everybody's going to have their own thing is, for instance, I was born premature. So I was born two months premature and I spent the first almost month of my life in an incubator. I wasn't breastfed. I wasn't touched. um, I was held very little and I was separated from my twin sister. So that created circumstances of a whole host of misunderstandings that I had created way back then. Um, of not getting the attachment that I needed. Uh, and so I spent months and months going back and remothering myself mm-hmm. when I was in the hospital and in the incubator. Um, that was a really big personal step for me. And it wow. was scary and it was hard and I didn't like doing it because it was very painful. But I made time every single day until it just felt neutral. 
And as soon as it started feeling neutral, I knew that I was finished with it. But, and this is something too, which would be great for your listeners, which is, you know, this whole, like, it's a can kind of be an esoteric idea of how you love yourself. Yes. I got really, really practical. So here's my situation. I knew that I needed to go love myself when I was uh, in an incubator. So some people might know that they need to go love themselves before their parents got divorced or before they were in a really hard accident or something like that. So I always go before you know, before the situation was really happening. And so when I go love the parts of myself that need my loving, I just get very practical. For me, I sat in my bathtub every day and I just went into my imagination and I went back and I was just very practical. Mm -hmm. I sang myself lullabies. I changed my diaper. I held myself for almost an hour every day. Wow. That's so so profound. Yeah. And I would say, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do it this way. Please forgive me. I love you. You haven't done anything wrong. And I'm always going to be with you over and over and over again until it felt neutral. Mm. And I love that, that, that you brought that up. That was actually a question that I was going to ask you is, you know, I feel like so many different things are uh, rooted in self-love and you know, especially in the community that we're in, uh, it is so important to have that as a foundation. Some people come to me where, you know, perhaps they need to lose some weight or something. They might not have severe food allergies or intolerances or severe digestive issues. Um, and I'm like the, and I tell them the first thing that we're going to do is really talk about mindset and the way that you perceive the world and, and your beliefs. Because to me, that's absolutely, the most important thing. I'm like, before we even talk about what you're going to have for breakfast or what's going to be on your meal plan, let's talk about your perception and the way that you view things and the way that you see things. And even on your Instagram, just a couple of days ago, you posted about trusting your life. And I thought that that was so important because going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago, the fact that things might not go the way that we want to, the fact that things might get shattered in a day and things can get into a disaster. It's difficult to trust in those moments and to see that perhaps there is going to be uh, something different for us. So what uh, would you tell people when they are wanting to love themselves, wanting to have a good mindset, something really practical for them to do uh, to, to really, you know, make that muscle resilient in them? Intention is most of the heavy lifting. So intending, just putting yourself in that intention each day and letting go of what it looks like. Our minds and our egos want to micromanage. Mm -hmm. So you just expect it. And then you just keep coming back to the intention. Life is working for me, not against me. I trust my life. So for for me, when I first started doing this, (laughs) I didn't trust my life. Yeah. Right. So it was so difficult. I mean, Mm -hmm. I woke up every day wishing that I could just go back to sleep like, Oh wait, no, I have to go do this again. And so again, people listening might feel that way of like, wow, getting up is even hard for me and intend that you're going to trust it and intend that there's something here that's for you, not against you. And even if you just do that small thing, it can create a profound transformational shift in your entire life. Totally. Because see, the universe is built on unconditional loving. If we look to all of the major religions 
and mystics that have ever come. There's a root that we all have, which is an unconditional loving in the universe. So the universe can, because it unconditionally loves us, and this is also somewhat into spiritual physics, the universe can only give us what we believe because it won't inflict. So give it more to believe in. So when even if we don't know what the outcome might be, even if it seems scary or unclear, if we if we can place just the basic intention that there that I can trust my life and that something is here for me for my benefit, then we'll start getting the universe delivering things for our benefit. Yes, which isn't up to us what happens at that point. Um and I'm curious too, in what ways would you say your life has transformed uh, internally things that have happened in your life since you have begun putting these practices into place? And really, you know, I, from what I know of you, you seem very dedicated in your practices and in the things that you do to kind of stay on this path. Yeah, it takes dedication each day because we let this this human thing that we're doing is a negative realm. And so uh, it takes effort and on our part to steer the ship a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time steering my ship a certain way through intention and prayer and meditation. Um, But in what way, what was the question again? I'm sorry. It's okay. In what ways have, has your life transformed? since you have started putting these practices into place, because I know that if you want to touch on maybe what happened uh, in your life at that time, if you just want to say it, you know, quickly, so the listeners can kind of get an idea of it. Um, I know you wrote about it in your book, but, um, you know, where you were then and where you are now and how the practices that you talk about really have made a big shift for you. I had so many rules. I had so many structures. I mean, I had rules for everything. I had rules about everything, how I should eat, what healing looks like, you know, being popular. I had rules for everything. And there was a foundational shift to now um, my center place is uh, that there isn't a place that I'm not willing to go to love myself. And that's the difference between how I used to play where I thought was playing big mm-hmm. to now playing loving. Um, because I, I really do live my life that with the understanding that the only thing that matters is the question, did I learn to be loving? And see, at first, I thought that that loving was like an outside thing. Yes. you know. And so that does matter. Like kindness to other people is really important. But I always had left out the the most important piece, which was loving for myself. And so now my work is that I've, I continually work on detaching myself from the outcome, from the glamour, from the fame. Mm. And I continually reattach myself to my willingness and my vulnerability to love myself as holy in all states and all places. That's because that's how God loves me. And so that when I came up to that, which was, am I willing to love myself as God loves me? Uh, I realized I wasn't. And that's so common too. Uh, you know, when, because when people come towards this work, 
it is usually like we have talked about with resistance, kind of kicking and screaming, like, okay, if this is the thing that I have to do, then I'll do it. But so many beautiful things come out of the effort and, you know, the practices that we can put in place. Yeah, because when you make the center of your life loving all the places inside or my willingness to be loving to myself, then you can't ever be off the path. Mm. And so that took me a little while to trust that. And so now I build, slowly have built this foundation inside of myself of this trust, you know, slowly at first, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but now it's um, expanded. And so now I'm teaching other practitioners how my, both my client base and other practitioners of uh, this different way of honoring healing, you know, because see, my willingness to love myself in all states creates a certain kind of frequency. Mm, And when I go into that frequency and I'm loving another person, like I'm loving you right now as we're talking, Mm -hmm. then that creates an availability of the frequency. So it's just like when you're in a room with a really positive person, it's so much easier to be positive when you're around positive people. Yes. Um, When we uh, love others and, you know, a lot of times when I'm on calls with clients, I'm meditating the whole time. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And so the more that I do that as a service to humanity, the more humanity can wake up to that. And so now, you know, the loving myself just becomes a a facilitator for the transformation first for myself and with God and then to the planet. And And I keep using the word God, and I don't mean that to be a trigger word because people could call it the big red rose if they wanted to. I always um, say or, that. I always say that too, because I talk about God on the podcast and I say, you know, and I always give it with a disclaimer of like the universe or source or whatever it is that makes sense to you. You know, the fact that if you just look outside, the fact that the sun is shining, that flowers exist, I'm like, that to me is God living other living things, my dog, my, you know, the frequency that um, you're talking about. And I find that if I pay attention to it and I go towards it because it's always available to me, that I, I'm even almost getting emotional right now just thinking about it because it is something that is the only thing that's really ever given me lasting peace. Mm. Yeah. You know? We'll say more about that for how you did that. Oh, man. Um, well, it it was like you were saying at the beginning, really being in such bad places for so long, you know, I went to alcohol, I went to drugs, I went to men, I went to then trying to make more money, then becoming obsessed with my diet. I was, or then I turned orthorexic, being obsessed with that, you know, like you're saying, rule follower, really just trying everything, reading every single book, doing the exact journal exercises that were in each book, like just really trying hard in everything. I'm like, let me look toward this outside thing, towards that outside thing. And it wasn't until I began to realize that I didn't need anything. I didn't need another coach. I didn't need another yoga teacher or a practitioner or another book, or I didn't need to spend hundreds of dollars on whatever it is that someone else was promising me. And I was really able to look inside of myself and be at peace or be at peace with whatever it is that's happening with me and loving myself 
amongst my sadness, amongst my anxiety, amongst moments of depression, amongst moments that, you know, I might want to overeat or something like that. Or when I do overeat, anything that feels uncomfortable to me and just really not making a story about it and being in the present moment as well and just noticing and being grateful for my life. Very simple things, you know, things that are very, very simple, but not easy. Um, But it really does help me, like you're saying, to have other people with kind of the same mindset as you and me in my life, because for a long time, I was not surrounded by that. And I always felt like the weirdo talking about God (laughs) and talking about the universe and talking about positivity. And to me, you are somebody, too, that I can see that light coming out of you. And I can see that love. That's something that I feel like now seeing you on video, we're on a video call uh, in your videos and things like that, that you put on your social media. And even when I read your book a few years ago, I feel that light and that positivity coming from you. And it's very quiet and very gentle, but it's a very powerful force. So in your life, what does emanating light mean to you and being a source of light for other people? To me, it's vulnerability. You know, um, I'm I'm allowing myself and working constantly at the deep vulnerability each day, loving myself as God loves me, and the willingness to love go even deeper with my loving yes. uh, than I had before for myself. Um, you know, this world is not built; our human bodies aren't built for per- for perfection. Yeah. Um, and, but the, but the, the loving of all states, um, it, you know, gets us a little bit more out of the trying and into the doing. And so just recognize that this is a world where we're going to be told that trying is the way you get to the finish line and the doing, which is what we're talking about is, um, not for the faint of heart. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and if you decide to do the doing, and I loved how you said that, like I, you said, um, I'm present and I notice and I'm grateful. And those three things, if we all spent the rest of our life just doing those three pearls that you just shared with everybody, um, we would be led into the deepest places of uncovering our holiness. Yes. And, and something that I think people need to note as well is that it doesn't have to be fancy either you know it like honestly my happiest moments have been doing the dishes you know like just having a moment of presence and being like I'm so happy right now that I'm just feeling the water for me it's also important to be tangible with things so to like feel the earth on my feet to you know feel my body during a yoga practice or things like that I used to think that I had to be happy drinking wine in Europe or something like really fancy like that when then I did that and then it didn't really do anything for me. It wasn't what I thought it would be. Uh, I always, you know, tried to escape myself in a sense, like, you know, it'll be over there. It'll be external, kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. But yeah, my happiest moments are on walks, sitting with um, my fiance and just having, you know, not really doing anything, just very simple things like having little moments with my mother or my father. Um, But all of these things are free. 
And we have them inside of us at any moment, which I think is really beautiful. And to me, that's why your work is so important and so needed. And it's why I want the listeners to know that this is something that has been inside of all of us this entire time. Yeah, it, it is. And it's the, so you're almost talking about how like the reframing of the center of things for you was in yes. the simplicity. Um, and a lot of times I see, especially in the restricted diet world where the diet is the center of things. Yes. Um, and so, but it, it stays the center of things because it, it provides a framework of understanding and safety until it doesn't, you know, and it's like why AIP works so well. It's like the relationship to AIP is, um, is so important because some people can do a 30 day fast and excel because mm -hmm. they're ready and it's aligned with them. And, and then some people can't. Um, and so you're, you know, kind of bringing, bringing up that really important piece, which is, uh, we can redefine at any moment what the center is for all of us. Yes. And, and for me, it's always been back to me, back to not in a self-centered way, you know what I mean? But like, I'm not going to deny the fact that because I do actually have food allergies and things like that. So I won't deny the fact that like certain foods don't make me feel awesome. Um, so it is important for me to eat a certain way. But what matters now is that the intention for it isn't one of control and um, control and obsession. It's now just reality. Like these foods make me feel a certain way and I don't want to feel that way. So I won't eat them versus like, oh my God, what's going to happen if I eat these things, I'm going to die. And, you know, getting into that sort of territory. So how do you walk your clients through that? Because if people are coming to you through AIP, it is a very healing diet, but it is also very restrictive. So how do you help them kind of reframe what they go through? Well, one is, is that it's not the first diet that I do anymore oh, okay. because I find that it can provoke a lot of disordered eating. <clears throat> and it also is a real fix it diet with a ton of rules. Mm -hmm. And so that can work for or against you. So I help my clients kind of work out where they stand as far as their life circumstances. So we talk about what, what their diagnosis is and the relationship to that, because a lot of times going on AIP is, uh, well, I have to do this because, you know, I'm stronger than my illness. So I'm going to, wrestle it out through going on AIP. Um, and so for, with my clients, uh, a lot of times it's not the first thing that I do. I start looking at their belief system. What do you believe about your circumstances? And so sometimes when we first start that, we can start to see if a restricted diet like AIP will be helpful because sometimes it is, mm -hmm. or it will maybe be um, not helpful. Uh, and so I try to get to the root cause. Now, root causes, there's physical root causes, you know, spiritual root causes or cosmology or archetype kind of belief systems that sit into in the morphogenic field. Um, you know, those become the lens to which we look out on life. And so a lot of times when we clear those things up, then a diet will work completely different for us. Yes. So when we look at diets like AIP to save us, it might help at first, but it doesn't ever long-term because no diet can save us when we're looking at it from this kind of perspective. 
Totally. I can totally agree with that. And, and with what you're saying, it's really about like you're saying the intention and the mindset in which you approach it, um, that we really do have everything that we need inside of us. But then there's these other amazing tools that we can utilize in our lives in order to feel better. Uh, and diet can be one of those things. It can be one, but stool test can be one. Yeah. So yeah. I do a lot of stool testing and organic acid tests to look at the practical physiological um, pieces. And, uh, and a lot of times too, I'm finding, especially with AIP, that people have undiagnosed um, commensal bacteria, overgrowth, or parasites, or even pathogenic bacteria that um, keep their gut disrupted. And so then they, um, you know, unknowingly go on AIP and, and do that for a really long time and then have a challenge reintroducing foods. So sometimes when we reintroduce foods, it is that you just have a, a sensitivity. Like for me, I just have a dairy sensitivity. Mm -hmm. It is not due to parasites or bacteria. Yep. It's genetic. My grandmother had it. But then there's other times when people have a stealth infection that is going to cause that reactivity at the mucosal gut level and they can't reintroduce dairy because of that, you know, might be cross reacting, um, with that bacterial antigen. So we want to do practical stuff too, but at the very tippy tippy top of all of it is, is, um, I love and my honor, I love and honor each person, um, for how they're doing it here. And I, and if they want my assistance, then I willingly assist. That's great. And what a beautiful, gift that you can give to your clients as a practitioner to really look at them as something whole and with this loving perspective, because, and that's why I love what you're doing with your spiritual certification. Um, because that's a whole component that is missing and so needed. And that's why I think voices like yours, um, are just so important now, uh, in the world. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, um, people being called to help through health coaching and nutritional coaching. And, um, and so it's a wonderful adjunct to Absolutely. that kind of, of work. It's a deep, deep service work to love the places inside of you that need your loving first, which is what the program does so that then you can extend that out into the world. And, and so it makes us better practitioners, really, from all all angles. Yes. So it's and it's really beautiful too because you're helping them and at the same time helping yourself as well, as you help yes. them. So it's a big, yeah. big thing of service. Um, something that I've done this year is been a lot more vulnerable and really shared my entire story. Like I have my podcast, as you can tell, but it's been almost a year that I've been doing it. And mm -hmm. I've shared like my entire story. I've shared every single parts of my uh, part of myself. And it was really difficult for me at the beginning because I was a perfectionist. I had like this illusion of control and everything was always perfect all of the time. But in sharing, you know, about my eating disorder, about um, the fact that I had anxiety and depression the connection that I have with my audience and with the people that, that I work with has just grown exponentially and it's totally, totally changed. And I'm wondering if you had the same experience after you shared everything that you've shared over the years. 
that people felt more drawn to it. Yes. More drawn to you and more open with you because of that. Yes, definitely happened. And, um, what I loved is, is that people really share like you of, oh, you know, cause it looks different for everybody, how totally. we find that loving. Yes. Um, and so for me, um, if, when I first started doing this, it, I was like, is anybody else doing this? I know. <laughs> cause I it's know. so hard. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I'm just so happy when I get to hear all the colors in the rainbow, the loving yes. rainbow, yeah. you know, and I, because the more that we vulnerably share these places that, of our willingness and our vulnerability, um, the more that it becomes something that people feel better about doing it themselves or less scared or they have a support team or support network. Exactly. I really, I really believe it's, uh, it, it, um, it's going to change how we do medicine. Yes, I have. I feel that deeply as well, just because it's so many things haven't worked for so long that this new approach, um, is just so needed in the world right now. And I feel like there's a climate now that people are slowly waking up to, to this work and becoming more open to it, which is really beautiful. And I think the fact that we can share the fact that we are human, you know, because I talk about this stuff a lot, like, and I talk about it all the time in my newsletter, if anybody just wants to talk to me or whatever. And, um, I'm always so happy and open about talking about it. And people will come up to me and say, oh, you know, you have your business together. You're doing so many different things. How can you not be scared? How can you not have negative thoughts? And I'm like, my fear is here all the time. (laughs) Uh, You know, I still do have my negative thoughts. You know, none of those things go away. But for me, the mission is to grow that other part of ourselves that has been dormant for so long and that we have pushed down uh, because it is our true nature. It is... Uh, and something that we that's infinite that we can go towards, which is why, you know, it's so beautiful to me to to be able to talk about it, to be able to spread the word. And, um, you know, I even still find myself getting triggered as everybody else. And, you know, we're human and everything. Uh, but instead of looking as, at those things as annoying or whatever it is, to me, it's always an opportunity to love. To be more compassionate. To be yeah, more compassionate. Yes. Yeah. In a way, it's like we're um, being given this amazing opportunity right now on the planet to, instead of identify ourselves by what we think is wrong, to start identifying ourselves by our loving towards our circumstances. Yes. Which is not easy to do. No, because no, no. it sorts out the stuff yeah. that's working and not working, and yes. it can cause a lots of change in your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. <laughs> no. And, and I think people might look at us and think like, oh, they're so loving. It must be so easy for them to do these things. And I want people to know that just because something is hard, and to me, this is the most important work in my life. Um, just because something is hard and that we have to put effort towards it, uh, doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it and that we shouldn't try to me. The biggest things that have had the biggest impact in my life are, have been the most difficult, the things that I hated in the moment, but kind of the rising from them have been the most, uh, has made everything worth it and has made myself be so loving towards my struggles 
versus hating them for happening and thinking that God cursed me and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So we, uh, in a lot of ways, yeah, we're turning our illnesses into allies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to do a webinar on that, by the way. Oh yeah. How to turn, how to turn your illnesses into allies. Yes. You know, cause we're so, we're so focused on this fix it of like, I just need to get rid of the illness and then I'll be whole. Yes. Um, you know, and so, okay, well, don't, you know, you don't have to disregard that if you feel really strong about it, but what if you considered pulling in a different thing, which is your illness could actually be an ally. Yes. And again, that's a mindset. That's a reframing. Um, one that again, does require effort and practice, but one that is also worth it. Um, well, I could talk to you forever about all of these things. Uh, I always ask the guests a few just quick fire questions at the end. The first one is that I'm a big reader. I love reading everything. So what are the biggest books that have had the largest impact on you? Uh, They could be about spirituality or whatever it is, something maybe that you're reading right now. It's open to to whatever you choose. Um, My teacher, Dr. Robert Waterman, has a book that I keep beside my bed and I open it almost every day. It's called Eyes Made of Soul, Soul as S-O-U-L. Um, and that's his book about uh, becoming a noetic practitioner, but I have found that um, it's a really practical book for me working with clients. Mm. So that's number one. The, the second one that I have I always come back to, well, there's two. One is Pema Chodron, When yes. Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one I can't forget. I forget the author, but it's Love Poems from God. And oh, it yes. is a collection of... Christian, um, uh, both, well, I'm sorry, it has Christian mystics, but it's Eastern and Western mystics over time. So Rumi, you know, Christianity, you know, um, saints. So it it has a very wide variety of poems um, from people that I've always found to be really taps into the unconditional loving that is holding the molecules together in the universe. Yes. And that's important to note as well, that this is like almost a scientific thing. You know, the fact that energy exists in the world and whatever we put out there will come back to us in the same way. Yeah. You know, so I really believe in that. A lot of people think I'm woo woo, but I'm like, what I put out is coming back in. So (laughs) I have to, you know, be conscious of what it is. I mean, it's kind of a miracle that there's electrons and protons. Yeah. You know, and that they circle around a nucleus. Yes. I mean, the periodic table also, like just <laughs> all of that. Um, are there any other spiritual teachers that you read would recommend if people are perhaps curious about starting on their journeys in this path? You know, Pema Chodron um, is a really good one. Um, Tara Brock is mm-hmm. one. Um, Pema Chodron is, she was just, she was with me in my heart for the first few years you know, when I started doing all of this and I read probably five or six of her books, um, you know, so I, I would say she's, she's really high up there. I, I really have, I love her loving heart. Yes. And I love too, that she, she taught, because I feel like in talking about the spiritual bypassing and things like that, um, I feel like people think that everything is going to be positive. And I love how Pema is just real about it. Like she's like, whatever happens, it might be terrible, (laughs) but you have to love what happens. 
and you have to know and trust that um you can move through it and withstand it yeah and Um, tara brock is another one yes amazing she she's had some amazing things she has a great podcast too yeah oh yes she does yes i love her she's so calming and her book radical acceptance was amazing as well um, something that I ask everybody that just because I'm curious is what your last meal would be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what, like I could eat anything I want, right? Yes. Like you're on death row. Meal. You're on death row. It's your last meal. Um, I probably eat pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. From, from Italy. Yes. From Naples. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very Italy, important. Naples pizza. Super important distinction. Yeah. Um, And then the last question that I ask is, we've kind of touched upon it a little bit, but we do talk about, you know, spirituality and the universe and God on this podcast a lot. How would you describe that to you? What is it to you? What does that mean um, in your life and what role does it play? Spirituality and God? Yeah. Um, Well, I feel like they're a little bit two different things where spirituality is you know, sort of the archetype or the, you know, the, the cosmology of transformation towards understanding God. Mm -hmm. Um, so spirituality is, you know, somewhat of the, um, the, the vehicle that I'm riding in to understand God that keeps changing and transforming. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but the role of God is the most important role. It's the, it's the, most important relationship that I have, uh, and, and understanding how I can love myself as God loves me, um, has proven to be a very fruitful query. Yes. And it's something that can really impact every single area of life as well. Yeah. And the last question is, what is the greatest piece of advice that you've been given? It doesn't have to be anything fancy, uh, it can just be something that's had a huge impact on you. One thing that changed my life when I heard it was when my teacher said, when we judge things as good or bad, we've moved away from God. And that at first I was like, wait, no, yeah. <laughs> because we good is God and bad is the devil, you know, or sinning. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of threw my life on its head. Um, and, and that, you know, cause it sort of comes, it, it helps us move away from duality. So we're here as humans doing duality in this life. Um, and so when, um, what happened was that I heard that. And when I started incorporating it, then what happened was, was that the question then became not, is it good or bad? The question then became, is it loving? Wow. And so that, that was probably one of the most profound one of the most profound moments for me was hearing that and like taking it to heart and applying it it rearranged everything in my life yeah that's something I'm gonna have to think about because I kind (laughs) of had that moment now too I'm like wait what yeah (laughs) like um but that's really profound and very um thought-provoking because we're told right yes exactly we we come into the world and we're told how to be a good human Yes. Religion tells us, government tells us, you know, so we have certain laws of the land which keep peace and order. And I totally understand that. So when I say that I'm not discounting, you know, laws of the land to keep order, 
Um, I'm talking about um, a more philosophical approach. Mm. Well, I love that. And I'm going to be thinking about that for <laughs> the rest of the day, probably. Um, well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Tell everybody where we can find you online and if they can work with you, maybe about your spiritual certification. So my the best way to contact me is either a private message on Instagram. So my Instagram is AIP Lifestyle. And my email is info at AIPLifestyle.com. Uh, I am almost finished with my first spiritual coaching certification group, um, an amazing group of practitioners. I'm starting my next one next week, and I'm putting together another group um, after that. And so if anybody wants more information about that, they can DM me on Instagram or email me. Um, it's a six-month program. It is learning how to touch your own loving to the places inside of you so that you can, we can only go as far with our clients as we've gone ourselves. Now, our clients can go farther than us, but we can only go as far with our clients as we've gone. So it's a six-month study in that and how to develop this skill in your practice and really tailor it to um, what it is that you're being pulled to do in your life. So it's not like nutrition therapy where you're learning about micro and macronutrients. This is really a spiritual study uh, where people can go inside of themselves for six months and, uh, and do a, a deep loving query so that they can be more available to the servicing of health in a different way to the planet. Incredible. So everybody reach out to Jessica if you're interested in, uh, you know, just talking to her or if you've resonated with this conversation or if you're interested in the certification. And thank you again. It's been such an honor and pleasure to have you on the show. And I look forward to seeing, you know, everything that you do. Thank you. And I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you and so much. That it's, it is. Thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story and all of the things that you've gone through and how you're sharing that loving with the world. So thank you. You've inspired me a lot. That. So thank you so much. It's good to talk to you. Great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.